The doctor's gaze was disconcertingly sympathetic, as if he knew Charlotte was not speaking only of the Reverend, as if he knew her life in America might prove harder as well. "'What opportunities would you embrace, Miss Covington?' His tone edged with teasing, but about what she was not sure. Regardless, his was an invitation not to be missed. First, I should like to see more of this ship.' She directed him to a pair of wooden double doors. "'Please, let's step outside. It's rather cold.' you will catch a chill. He said this with a certainty, which, of course, meant he acquiesced. He swept back the doors before them, to escort her into the night. The wind bit through her evening dress and shawl, as it whipped her hair loose from its confines. She broke into a brilliant smile, the one usually held in reserve, the one her mother said was not fit for polite gatherings. Charlotte leaned over the rail, and turned her head to see the white trail of broken water sweeping away from the side of the ship far below them beautiful. She thought she heard the word on the wind, lost among other utterances. Turning to her companion, she asked, "'Did you say something?' He stood closer than she had realized, as if he were about to engage her in one of the newer, more salacious dances. Her heart beat hard, and rose in her chest, as if the organ wanted to tuck itself into his dinner jacket. "'What are you thinking, Charlotte Covington?' she asked herself. Truth be told, her thoughts fled before his mesmerizing eyes, which in the moonlight were grown pale rather than dark. Perhaps hers looked the same way, reflecting the night sky off the surface of the sea. A breathless dizziness threatened, similar to what happened when her corset was bound too tightly about her body. When he spoke, she felt roused from a slumber, and wondered how long she had stood gazing at him. "'I should take you in from the cold.' Charlotte realized she no longer felt the cold, because her body was afire inside. She wanted to protest— to tell him she needed the night air to cool down. Instead, she nodded dumbly, and slipped her hand back through his ready arm. In the long, narrow hall they walked silent as cats, on the thick, velvety carpet, with only the rustling of her gown, as they passed several couples returning to their staterooms for the night. Heat rose up Charlotte's neck, and she cast a furtive glance at her companion, who appeared not to notice her discomfort. "'Is your desire to see more of the ship nautical and decorative?' or does your interest lean towards social curiosity? he asked. The thought leapt to mind that no one on board could hold greater interest for Charlotte than did the man by her side. Her intense curiosity surprised, because she had never felt it with prospective bows. The doctor was her senior by as many as fifteen years, though no signs of age touched his sandy brown hair, or his uniform skin. She wondered briefly what her father would have thought of him, and then immediately decided the doctor's kindness and dignity would win over all, but the most arrogant of men. "'Definitely the former,' she said. He paused by her glossy mahogany door, with its gleaming brass cabin number, and gave a small bow. "'Then might I suggest an early morning stroll? It is the most advantageous time of the day to explore uninterrupted.' He proposed a time so early, she was certain none but God himself would be abroad. She accepted with alacrity. "'Will you check on Mrs. Covington?' she asked. Charlotte could not return his direct gaze, as she realised that essentially she had invited him into her room. No, if she is as much recovered as I suspect, Mrs. Covington will be anxious for news of the kind best served between feminine intimates. He gave another slight bow, and with a twinkle in his eye said, Good night, Miss Covington.'